I'm Marina Tura, and you're listening to the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I had a wonderful time driving through very jungly, overgrown, lush roads on the big island of Hawaii to get to Hope B to interview her about her beekeeping practice. When I arrived at her home, she was topless, tending to her hives while a friend of hers stood nearby, playing a crystal singing bowl toned to the bees. I have known one beekeeper before Hope who would bravely, humbly, amazingly bear all to check on his hives. Shout out to Stan the Bee Man on the Mendocino Coast. While I, in theory, am in love with this idea for reasons of deeper bee intimacy and the insistency of a slow, cautious pace, I almost always personally wear a full suit when I am entering a hive. But I really wanted to hear more about what prompted one to this practice, and Hope happily obliged me in our interview. I had met Hope online and was incredibly intrigued by her topless beekeeping. I immediately wanted to interview her, even though we had never exchanged more than a social media friendship. Personally, I have a very soft spot for bees. Over a decade ago, a few women in my community banded together and we created a small, close-knit ladies beekeeping guild. We would help each other out when we were checking on our hives, and we attended beekeeping workshops, seminars, and classes together too. We even had a group moment when we got excited about apotherapy. An acupuncturist friend came to visit and was utilizing bee sting as a kind of medicine. Although I never really took up the practice, because it can kill bees in the process, I was thrilled to hear in our interview about Hope's success in keeping bees alive while also doing apotherapy. Everything I've ever learned about bees fascinates me completely. I could, and do sometimes, talk about bees for hours on end. Anytime I meet a fellow beekeeper, we're wrapped in the glory of having found another friend of the bees to compare notes with. And so it was with Hope. I watched her at work for the first hour of our visit. Then we promptly sat down and recorded this podcast episode, Melissa Musings. I hope that our interview will help shed light on the why bees are so fundamentally important and what we can all do to bring more consciousness to how they are tended for optimal health in the future.
Today I'm hanging out on the Big Island of Hawaii with Hope Anderson, uh, one of the beekeepers of this world. Welcome to Positive Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, so <laughs> we just met this moment. This is kind of our arrival time. I landed on your property and you were topless and beekeeping. <laughs> so just started right in the middle of all, all the things. <laughs> yeah, you got to jump right in and see me right in the element. <laughs> yeah. We're moving some bees to a new hive, is that correct? Yeah, I was moving them to a new box. I work with the bees to get them off of plastic, so they don't yeah. always build straight. Uh -huh. And this hive was very, uh, what we call cross-combed. 
And so when I start cutting into it, it's just a honey mess. So mm. I decided to transition the bees to a clean box that wasn't full of honey. Perfect. Yeah. So Hope, how did you get into beekeeping, bee tending? Yeah, it was really a calling. I had all these signs to move to Hawaii and to become a beekeeper. Mm. And it was never really on my radar. And then, you know, I knew what was happening with the bees, as many people were aware. But right. beyond that, you know, didn't know too much. And I moved here. One of the signs was this man, he's called the Bee Charmer. Mm. And so I started learning and working with the Bee Charmer. And he's very unconventional. You know, he also doesn't wear protection. Mm -hmm. And I would do hive removals with him and just be in it. And I just learned by being, you know, just learned by doing and being with the bees. I didn't go to school and I didn't really read many books about it. It's been really intuitive. Mm -hmm. And now for five years, I've been doing it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Mm. I really see them as like the love frequency. Mm -hmm, totally. and, and they're constantly reminding me to, you know, be in love and, and have compassion and empathy for whatever's going on. Mm. You know, having compassion that I felt like a bear in the hive today, you know, <laughs> just ripping up the hive and I was like just having compassion that they're a little bit agitated, right, um, right. which isn't always the case, but today they were. And it was major reconstructive surgery today. <laughs> yeah, it was. If you would have been here earlier, I had like two hive tools and I was going in there like surgery. Totally. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And so how many hives do you have? Here at my house, I have five. Oh. I tend to about seven more mm -hmm. on other people's properties. And they aren't technically mine, but, mm -hmm. you know, given that love and that sharing with my community, too. Awesome. So you're a beekeeper and I'm a beekeeper and we do really small scale bee tending really. And that's a really big juxtaposition to say large commercial industry beekeeping, right? Right. And I think that most people don't really understand what that even means. I mean, in the sense that they understand that industry agriculture on a large scale is uh, so big that it loses track of the component parts and the care mm -hmm. and that it's not about really the tending so much as it is about the profit margins right so right. in that same way having a small scale bee tending operation brings it back to the bees again and the locality of what they're foraging on and all those things and so you have been working with bringing some awareness to that for people in the recent past too yeah yeah I have been just because, well, because I've been having my own experiences with commercial bees and noticing the effect that it has on the wild ones. Mm. So with anything, whether it's, you know, farming chickens or farming tomatoes, once we take the love out of it and start making it about commodity, that's when um, dis-ease sets in you know and it sets in in these hives naturally they live six feet apart and in commercial beekeeping they're i mean they're right up on each other there's right. like four right up on each other not even an inch apart and they're smelling that queen pheromone mm. all the or most of the queens in commercial beekeeping are artificially inseminated right and not from queen cells 
which people don't really know, but there's the queen cells, like what the bees will naturally produce to create new queens. And instead they're creating queens from drones and things. And so there's this whole other element of the genetics that have been altered that impacts the longevity of queens, the health of queens, the, the way that nature has done it for so long, we are now we are now acting as God in right. the keeping world. And we're, and we're genetically bottlenecking them. For sure. And, and so I believe that the queen has the intelligence to tap into what sperm is in her belly and be like, oh, we're under attack by beetles, so I produce more of this genetic. Or, you know, we need more honey, I do this genetic. When humans are raping her, like literally raping yeah, her yeah. and then injecting her with what sperm we think is best, she's totally doesn't know what's going on, you know? Right. and. And that trauma is reflected in the bees. Right. You know, then you see the disease and all the pests come in and they can't take care of it. So the beekeeper has to give them medicine and chemicals and do all sorts of crazy things. Right. I know usually the queen would go out and she would fly and have this amazing flight with as many drones as she wanted to have her liaisons with. And then she would have the, the, all that diverse genetics for, you know, the rest of her life. Right. And instead, we've created the situation where she gets exactly like you said, whatever we've decided, which doesn't necessarily reflect bee knowledge or what (laughs) bees would want for themselves at all. Right. And and there's also something to be said for, you know, which drones or which males rather did they pick the sperm from? You know, like she's flying at a certain altitude and she's she's got factors that she's weighing in on that are innate to her intelligence that we are not privy to. And then we're deciding in an artificial way, what's going to happen. So naturally, bees would just get get to be bees and they would have more of that resiliency, I think, that comes with natural selection of what they are looking for. But instead, we have commercial beekeeping, which is, yeah, so the queens are the beginning, the source of all the hive, right? It's like that everyone is loyal to the queens. So when you change Mm -hmm. the queens dynamics, you change everything right? Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, there's discussions of like spacing and also fodder, you know, like I've kept bees in a beekeeping collective on my little home ranch with a couple other women for years. And we had, we all had these huge diverse gardens where we grew all of our own food, you know, and most, most bees in California, for example, where I'm living, they're just eating almonds Mm. (laughs) and they're trucked around to get that almond harvest in. And so they're not having diverse fodder, you know, they're not getting to live their best bee lives. Yeah. <laughs> they're really, they're being farmed in a really very specific way for profit that has nothing to do with honoring flower pollination and a diversity of nature, which is the bee is like this keystone species really for all of, for all of life, but especially human food, <laughs> like I don't think people realize how much we have to give thanks for the bees. Yeah. It's like almost everything we eat is directly in correlation to bees getting to do their thing. Yeah. And if not directly, then indirectly, you know, even if you're eating a cow, you know, it ate grass that was pollinated by a bee, Uh you know, uh and there's this, yeah, so much. Yeah. Um, And with the almond crop, like they're, they're only getting pollen there. Yeah. No, so they're being fed sugar water. A lot of people don't know that their bees are being fed sugar. Right. So that's a whole other thing, right, is to survive the winters. Often commercial beekeepers will take all the honey and then they'll feed the bees sugar water, which is another reason why bees have been dying off is that they're not getting honey even anymore. They're not getting the own honey that they're producing, which is, of course, this amazing medicine. Right. So and that 
the honey that you might be getting from bees that have been sugar water is not the same as, you know, honey from bees who have been on their own honey, you know, really, that's a, that's an important point for people that mostly people don't really have a reference point for because they're not talking to their beekeeper because they bought their honey at a store, you know, came in a plastic bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of the honey from the store, I think it's like a third or two thirds is adulterated. You know, yeah, it's cut right. with like rice syrup and corn syrup and all this right. stuff. And um, it comes from other countries. And so they they do testing to try and track it, but it's not always trackable. Right, right. So out here in Pahoa, you have a really natural beekeeping setup, which is a beautiful contrast to what we were just talking about in the commercial world of beekeeping. Yeah. So I'm really passionate about uh, wild beings, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. bees or human beings or animals in general, but, you know, my passion is bees. So bringing it back to this this co-creation, this symbiotic creation that bees and beekeepers have. Mm. Like the beekeeper is actually important with the bees. And some people don't realize that. My intention when I go into the hive is to create space and cleanliness for the queen to continue to lay her babies and to grow. And if a beekeeper doesn't go in there and take out some of the honey and create space, well, then there's room for a lot of pests to move in. It gets really dirty, unsanitary, and eventually they may die out or just leave. Right. So, yeah, I'm really passionate about keeping bees naturally. I also feel like they're vulnerable when I open their hive. You know, it's like opening up a human body. There's all these cells running around. So I show up really vulnerably in my skin. Mm. You know, and that's and that's why I work topless. I mean, I guess it started because I couldn't afford beekeeping equipment. It's oh, like you just got to do it, you know, you just gotta do it. jump in. And um, then it's evolved. I was like, wow, I, I don't even want to wear pants because I can't feel them crawling on my leg. Mm-hmm. Like I can feel them all over my body. Mm-hmm. And I find usually a squish one if I can't feel it. Mm-hmm. So I show up vulnerably. Right. They're vulnerable. And in that, there's like such a love vibration that mm. is experienced. We're both there in love. And, and pure presence, yeah? And pure presence. And that's what they require, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. if you're not present, you know, you get a sting, you'll be reminded, yeah, you come like, back oh, to presence. I know what I'm doing now, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes to keep myself present, so I have someone ringing a crystal bowl while I play. Mm. And if I start to feel a little bit like, ooh, I'll put a, I'll put a net over my head. Mm-hmm. And it's totally like... Uh, false sense of protection because it's just this little flimsy thing that could sting me through but it's like it calms me down and it helps Mm. me be present Mm -hmm. so sometimes I show up like that yeah but yeah I am really passionate about encouraging wild beings to be wild again you know we are talking about commercial beekeeping being focused on commodity what if we bring it back to love you know, in mm. all things. Mm-hmm. What if we bring it back to love and food and with, you know, how people farm chickens or how they do cows? I've been buying raw milk lately with someone yes. who hugs a cow and, you know, loves uh-huh. the cow and it roams <laughs> free and it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Like when you eat honey that has been harvested with love and intention, it's like a buzz throughout your whole body. For sure. <laughs> well, and it's pure medicine then too, you know, it's so good for everything you know it's good for wound care it's good for internal use it's good for the sugar profile is really different too on honey that's actually honey you know raw mm-hmm. honey <laughs> so yeah you're getting all kinds you're like tasting your environment in a way that 
is so different than if it's coming from, you know, the can, a can in a store. Right. And they're just incomparable, really. Right. Until until someone tries honey, like straight from a beekeeper's backyard. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. They, they just don't know. They just don't know. <laughs> and then on top of honey, so their honey is like what we often associate with bees, but there's also propolis. Propolis has actually been my go-to medicine all throughout the pandemic to just keep myself kind of on top of my immune system, you know, in a really like healthy way and nurturing. It's like super powerful. It's what they use to create barriers in the hive, right? Mm-hmm. So if they need to fill up a hole or if they have like uh, somebody trying to get in, <laughs> sometimes they'll create a propolis barrier. Well, and I've noticed they create propolis jails. Uh-huh. So they create like a little circle of propolis and then trap a bunch of beetles in there. Mm. And then you got a propolis jail. Yeah, yeah. Quarantine. <laughs> quarantine. Yeah, quarantining the, uh-huh. the beetles. Right. And and then there's pollen, you know, which if you're a beekeeper, pollen isn't something that comes detached from the honey. It's, it's all up in there. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so you get, you know, the flavors of all of that that's going on. And also something that people, I would try to bring awareness to this because people don't really understand when you buy pollen in a store, it's usually been derived by uh, someone putting a entrance reducer onto the hive, which means that as the bees going in and out of the hive with their pollen baskets, which is their legs are just loaded up with all this nutritious pollen, it comes off as they Mm -hmm. enter the door and sometimes their legs come off. So it's really not a good practice to have the entrance reducer on there very often. And if you look at a microscope of bee pollen, it actually is very spiky. Like it's this really like hard to digest creature, Hmm. but when it's put into honey, then you get something called bee bread, which is, it softens the edges. It's a natural ferment. And so I have little jars of um, bee bread around and then you just have a little scoop. And so you're getting the pollen in the ways that the bees would have it. Right. And I hear that bee bread is really good for old people, like for Alzheimer's and mm, dementia and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, the bee bread also has propolis yeah. in it. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a whole awesome thing, you complex, know, yeah. a whole complex of, of goodness. Right. And then there's, of course, beeswax, which is this, like you referenced earlier, um, getting bees off plastic. I think, again, people don't really know that in commercial beekeeping, they've created frames. The frame that a bee would live and grow its hive on, um, it would be creating with a plastic foundation of comb. So instead of being able to build out their own beeswax, which is this amazing, phenomenally good smelling and feeling like warm, alive mixture that they naturally produce out of their own bodies, you get plastic. Yeah. So that's the thing that too, it's like, there's, there's amazing things that can be done with beeswax. Right. And just like off the tip of my tongue, there's, you know, candles are an amazing thing. So having light. And so they literally can bring light into your life, mm-hmm. but then there's, I mean, wax, wax is a great thing for string and all kind of like in beadwork and cordage. It's gets used a lot for a lot of different things. And it's the only naturally occurring wax. Right. Like people buy um, vegan wax. It's like that had to be processed for them to even get that. It's usually paraffin. Yeah. So it's like oil. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's old dinosaurs. Yeah. And, and when you burn that, it's not good in your space. But if you burn beeswax, it's actually cleansing your space. It's got it's the negative give, ions. Yeah. The negative ions. Totally. Exactly. So today's PSA is about your offerings with regard to the bee love. Yeah. So you have 
uh, honey, obviously, and the, all the good bee products that we just talked about, but you also do apitherapy. Some people maybe don't know what that is. Could you talk about what that looks like? Yeah. So apitherapy is like the original acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Before we had needles, they used bees. And I believe when people get stung just walking around, it's it's medicine, like there's some sort of medicine being delivered there. So people use it for Lyme's disease. I know people have cured themselves of Mm -hmm. Lyme's disease with it. Crohn's disease, arthritis, all kinds of things. And I sting people as well. I work with a couple of people that have arthritis and mm-hmm. it helps reduce the swelling and it, I've helped wean people off of steroids actually, wow. you know, by using the medicine of the bees. Right. Because the venom probably brings circulation to the area, right? The body comes to, to bring, bring in their own energy. So their healing is activated. Exactly. And then when they sting you, you know, they're giving you that life force. They're giving mm-hmm. you all that all that love, all that energy that they've built up over their lifetime. And usually when someone would get stung, the bee would die because her stinger detaches from her body. Mm-hmm. But I I hold the bee with my hand and I use a, a tweezers to help pull the stinger out with the bee. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't die. And I have about 80% retention rate. You know, uh-huh. it's not 100. Okay. And today, for the first time, I removed a bee from my leg with my fingernail and her stinger came out too. So oh, wow. I think that she lived. Nice. And uh, yeah, just learning new ways to do that. And I love, I love offering that medicine to people. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. So... The birds and the bees, people talk about the birds and the bees, and we all just think it means sex, but we don't really know where the heck did that story come from, right? Mm -hmm. And so one day I got like this download, my friend shared with me that when the birds sing, the flowers start to open. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing happens when the bees come out and touch the flower. Mm -hmm. So the bees have an electrical charge. And when they go to the flower, it's the opposite electrical charge. And it's so much that the pollen like shoots off of the flower onto the bee. And uh, it sends this electrical energy down through the plant and down through her roots and into the mycelium so it can communicate with other plants. Mm. And that's how not only the flowers get to be pollinated, but the plants get to make love with each other underneath the earth, underneath Mm. the soil. Mm. And as we step on the earth, we feel that love vibration from the mycelium, from all that vibrating And I mean, that's another reason why it's important to be barefoot, you know, to feel that energy underneath you. The buzz. The buzz. (laughs) The buzz that's happening all around. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, it's interesting that you say that. I, I never heard that about just, you know, bees going to flowers, but I have heard of this phenomenon um, of buzz pollination. Hmm. And it's when a bee gets to a flower in, say, okay, so for Northern California, where I live in the winter, there's flowers that get pollinated, like the manzanita gets pollinated, or and they're kind of waxy because they're, they're flowering in the winter. And so a bee will come and go up to it and kind of detach its flight mechanism, and then buzz at a certain vibration until the flower explodes on it. <laughs> what? And I know, right? And so <laughs> a naturalist trend, Kate Marion Child told me about that, and uh, I was just in awe. And so I've told everyone I've encountered who's ever been around me at Manzanita before, because 
I just think that's truly amazing. And then somehow they reattach their flight mechanism and off they go. So yeah, just like, you know, it was cool to come up upon you and you were having the sound bowls because it is such a sonic resonance with these beings, right? Mm. They're really, there's a, a drone to them. I actually had for a while, I had a neighbor who built me this crazy old school hive. It was all made out of wood. He put no metal in it and it was shaped like a hexagon in honor of the bees. And it was kind of like a top bar. It had a couple chambers, a couple stacking uh, hive boxes, and then a really cool little roof. And I had uh, bears come through and destroyed my hives. And so <laughs> I actually put it on my roof of my bedroom. And so for a couple of years, I could like feel the acoustics of the oh. beehive because it was just like, and when they swarmed, they would do the lemna skit right outside my window. And, and I would just like open my door to this amazing, you know, bee action. And I lived unfortunately in the redwoods. So a lot of the time the swarms would just go really, really high. And I was like, well, bye and good luck, you know, but I also live near an apple orchard and sometimes they would go to the apple orchard and we could go and get the swarm and bring them back into another box. And get to keep a relationship alive with that that group of bees but um yeah so amazing and a swarm okay swarm is a thing that in commercial beekeeping they are constantly stopping right yes they're going in there and if they see a clean cell they're killing it basically they're Mm -hmm. like nope nope we're gonna subvert that impulse but really what's happening is if they're producing a clean cell the hive feels like it's healthy enough to to create more hives like it's parthenogenic in that way it's Mm self-reproducing and so they create a queen cell and that new queen hatches and half of the bees are like we're going with you and they go create this new hive that's loyal to her and smell her pheromones and feel her out and so that's a such an amazing thing to me it's like you know, if, if everything's going well and you've like, you know, in modern era life, you, you know, got your piece of land you're on and your things are going well and you're like, let's just strike out on, the, on a new adventure. Right. And, and bees do that. And that's how bees actually move themselves around, you know, and sometimes swarms will go into nature and they'll find like a hole in a tree, a hollow of some sort, and they can sustain themselves in there. But you can also sometimes get a, a swarm. And then that's actually the healthiest way for beginning beekeepers to have wild genetics mm-hmm. because those bees have come from queen cells. They weren't, you know, raped in a, in a laboratory. They weren't a nuke that was then put into a box and shipped to you. Those are actually wild bees still. And so that's what I always tell people too, is if you're going to get into beekeeping, that's, you're, that's you starting with that optimal genetics that you can possibly have at this point in time. There's also all these amazing esoteric stories about people using acoustics to call down a swarm, like mm-hmm. drumming on the ground and various things. And I've heard a lot of stories. <laughs> well, you should have seen me. I was chasing after one. So a swarm went through here this morning, actually. Wow, nice. I wasn't able to catch that one. But um, recently one swarmed and I was running around with a pot and a pan because <laughs> yeah. someone told me my bang a pot and pan above yeah. my head that I'm going to catch the swarm. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't work for me, but they I heard having- that it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. I know there's there's nuances to it. Right. And those are like more secret than either of us even know. (laughs) But but it is possible. It is possible. And also the really cool thing about a swarm is if you if you manage to get um, most of the swarm, like if they're on a tree branch or something and you bring the branch down into, like, say, a box, you'll know that the queen's in that box because all the bees around the top of the box will start fanning. So they'll stick their butts in the air and they'll start sending the smell of her pheromones out to the other bees to be like, hey, guys. Gaia's mostly girls, uh, we're in here, right? This is where, this is where we're going. And so 
that's a really cool thing to me too, like the hive mind and the way that they communicate and the that absolute devotion to that queen. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And it's beautiful to watch when they all start marching to wherever the queen is. You're like, yeah, I got her. She's, She's in there. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really calm when they swarm. Like some people freak out. Oh, there's a swarm. They're so calm. Like that's the they're calmest you can yeah. work with them. Like, Right. Yeah. They just gorge themselves on honey so that they could last a few days, you know. Right. And um, usually they send out scouts, too. So they've had scout bees looking for possible places to go for a while. And so when they do swarm, they are chill. And you can even I mean, I, you've maybe even, even done this. Like, have you seen the, the documentaries where the women are wearing the bees and dancing with the bees? Mm-hmm. That's during a swarm, right? It's like they've got the queen on them and all the other bees are hanging out. Right. Because naturally the swarms will cluster around the queen to protect her. And so they're in this ball of bee, mm-hmm. which is so cool. Yeah, and, and that ball of bees helps like lift her up because she has such a huge butt. You know, she's just <laughs> she's full of sperm and babies. And yeah. so she doesn't fly as easily as right. them. So they make that ball around her to help lift her up and mm. keep her flying. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Hope, for joining me today and talking bee. That was really beautiful to hear another person who's out there who's really invested in helping us help the bees. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love talking and geeking out with bee people. So it was very fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Atura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, www.maureenatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to www.maureenatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries describing each episode. I'm on social media and you can follow me on Facebook on my page Maureenatura Author. You can follow me on Instagram at Author Maureenatura and you can also follow my TikTok handle at Maureenatura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash to see a video of Hope tending toward bees at her home on the big island of Hawaii. You can get more information about Hope B. Anderson, bee guardian and apotherapist, by going to our website, honeybeesensual.com. She has produced a beautiful calendar, sells honey and beeswax candles. Additionally, she teaches workshops and is living a life in support of the bees. She also accepts donations for the Bee Free Foundation. Special appreciation to Alice DiMaselli for her song, Promise of the Sun, at the beginning of this episode. For more about her music, you can visit www.alicedemaselli.com. This episode of The Positive Fantastic has been brought to you on May Day to celebrate the wonder of bees. I hope you'll join us on Summer Solstice for the next episode of the podcast and the adventures and how we can thrive. Cheers, and may your journeying be buzzing with beauty.